Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. God is good, and He's doing great things. And uh, I challenge you to uh, take, always take a look at your bulletin each week, see what's going on in the church, how you can be involved, how you can be uh, involved in greater community, growing with one another. We've been waking our way through Ephesians, and the first three books was all about Paul saying, remember. Remember, remember who you are. Remember what Jesus did. Remember the, the price that was paid for you. Remember that you were redeemed. Remember that you didn't do anything to save yourself, but Jesus did it all. Remember it was by his grace and by his mercy. Remember that you were adopted, not just saved because that would have been enough, not just paid for because that would have been enough, but then you were adopted into his family. You were called sons and daughters, and you were given all the rights and privileges of a son and daughter. Saying remember. And then he begins to talk about being unified in that one message, that the greatest place of unity in all the world should be found within the body of Christ, within the church of believers, because it is there that all are united under one truth, Jesus Christ. All are united under one God, Jesus Christ, right? One Father, one Son, one Spirit, we're all united under the one God and the one message of salvation. That's where we all come together. And he says, no matter what, he tells us, don't break that unity, but instead press into it. Then we get into chapter 4, and he starts in the first part of chapter 4, and he says, and then each one of you have been gifted by the Holy Spirit. Not only does the Holy Spirit dwell within you, but then you've been gifted to serve one another. For what, for what reason? To help one another grow up in this amazing relationship, and this amazing truth that we have been saved and given a new life, given a new identity, given a new purpose in life, and you are to grow up in that. And so the Spirit is deposited in each one of us, making it a, a secure deposit, which we're going to look at again today, for all of eternity. We never have to doubt whether this is true or not true because we have Christ and we've been, we've been secured for all eternity. But in that security, there's more. He is the counselor, the Holy Spirit is. He is the teacher, the Holy Spirit is. He is our leader, our guide, our shepherd, our everything, the Holy Spirit is. And walks with us during every moment. Doing what? Unifying us together. Gifting us to pour into one another. That we would grow up in that relationship. We were never supposed to be spectators in this thing called Christianity. We were never ever supposed to be spectators in this place called the church. The church meaning all of the saints. All those who have given their life to Christ gathered together in small places all around the globe, worshiping the one holy God, gifted to help one another grow up in their walk with Christ. We lock arms and we raise one another is what we do. We teach one another, we help one another to grow. And that's where we find ourselves. Because Paul not only says, are we equipped to help this, but how is it that we're helping one another? And then he makes the transition and begins to tell us what this new life in Christ looks like, the practical ins and outs of it, the hard work, right? Because there's a, a work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives to bring us 
and that Christ did in our life to bring us into this relationship, and now it's our work with the Spirit to live out the relationship, and we go to do that hard work. Let's remind ourselves of that passage, that because we were made, because he made us alive, we live new, we live like Christians. So I tell you, this is in chapter 4, verses 17, and then 22 through 24. So I tell you this, and insist on it. He's not saying, hey, by the way. He's saying, I tell you this, and I insist on it. I tell you, this is the most important thing. I tell you, now that you're followers of Christ, I insist on this. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put it off, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We were created new to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. But I insist on it, Paul says. Put off the old and live in the new. That means we have no excuse. We have no excuse. It's insisted upon. Whatever was part of the old life, to put it off. Now, that's a daily process, right? That's a moment-by-moment process. I'm fighting. I'm resisting this old life, and I'm putting on the new life. I'm putting on the new one, but I have to learn. I have to grow. I have to grow in maturity and understanding of what the new life is. So Paul spends the rest of four and most of five talking about what the new life is. But he also shares, by the way, if this is the new life, this was the old, put it off. He just spends so much more time talking about the new, which is what we want to talk about. Look, we all know what the old life is. It doesn't take us very long to process that one, does it? We didn't really need scripture to let us know what the old life was. It was everything selfish. It was everything that was about me. It was everything that I want what I want, and I want it right now. The new, we know. So Paul doesn't spend a lot of time there. He spends the majority of his time telling us what to do now, what to put on now. What does holiness and righteousness look like? Because we don't seem to see it around us a whole lot. You see, it should stand out. The way we live our lives should stand out. The way we speak should stand out. The way we care for others should stand out. Because the rest of the world is pursuing its own agenda, but we are united in Christ, and the church should stand out for its righteousness and its holiness because it should look a lot like Jesus every day. So Paul has talked about lying and deceit and put, put that away and speak truthfully, right? And then we were able to unpack what it means to speak truthfully in a lot of different scenarios. Last week, uh, Pastor Ben Henriquez was with us and he got to share about anger and that anger isn't a bad thing. There's a righteous anger. But in our anger, do not sin. And we unpack a little bit of what that looks like. And, and then we talked about uh, work and talked about how that, that is for us and what work is supposed to be all about. And that we're working people because we have a working God. And then what are we supposed to do with the resources that we gain from working? We're supposed to help one another and we unpack that. Well, today we look at our language. And it's something that Paul's going to revisit in chapter 5. But today we look at our language, and we find it in, uh, in verses 29 through 32. But before we get there, 
Let me just unpack our passage from James for just a moment. You see, because there is power in our tongues and there is power in our language. And this passage that Paul's talking about, it doesn't exactly bring us right to the, to the edge, if you will, of understanding the power of our tongue. But James, James, the half-brother of Jesus, grew up with him, right? Why was he the half-brother? <laughs> because Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, right? And so James, his brother, he lived with him. He understood language. He understood what language and the power of language and the power of the tongue. He understood that we were created. Check this out for a moment. The power of words. All creation, all creation was created by a word. Jesus controlled nature by a word. Jesus rose others from the grave by a word. Jesus healed by his touch, but always by a word. Our words have tremendous power. Proverbs 18.21 says this, The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You're going to be dispensing life or death every time you speak a word. Every time I speak a word, I dispense life or death. I bring harm to somebody's heart, to their spirit. I bring harm to them and who they are, or I bring life to them. My words need to be calculated because there's power in our words. Speech distinguishes us, distinguishes us from the rest of creation because it comes from God. Look, cows can moo and dogs bark and donkeys bray, whatever that means. And pigs grunt. All these different things. I didn't even know what they were called until I saw them. And lambs bleat. I still grew up in a concrete jungle. Lions roar. Monkeys squeal. No, that's what they were called? Monkeys squeal. Oh, no. Birds sing. Had that one. Humans speak. We're the only ones. We're it. And I know zoologists and researchers are figuring out how animals communicate to one another. We're the only ones that speak with words that God gave us. Our Father... Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they created with words and created us to know words and have revealed the character and nature of God. The Lord has revealed himself through the word. He has revealed who he is through words. He has told us what matters through words. Our words are powerful. Let's look at at James chapter 3. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in the way, in what they say, well, they are perfect. You know any perfect people? No, me either. If you can never stumble in what you say, then you have attained perfection, is what James has said. And they'd be able to keep their whole body in check as well. You see, when we put bits into the mouths of horses and make them obey us, and we can, we can turn the whole animal. Or take a ship as an example. Although they are so large and are even driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. 
Consider what a great forest is set afire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among its parts of the Bible, of the, of the body. A world of evil is what the small tongue is among all the other parts. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. Now, I want you to catch this. Above all else we've said, I want you to catch this. Christian, that is Christ one. Child of God, that is you've been adopted. New in Christ, new creation, that's you. I want you to hear this next part that James throws out there. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. One of the most amazing passages in all of Scripture about the tongue. And James just gets to the quick of it, and he says, we know how powerful it is. We know how much evil exists within it. We get it. We know. But for those of you that are in Christ, both praise and cursing should not come from the same mouth. And he just simply says, brothers and sisters, this should not be. He didn't leave any room, no room for compromise. This should not be. Can both fresh water, he gives some great examples here, and salt water flow from the same spring? No. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Well, that's ridiculous. Or a grapevine bear figs? Well, no. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. We have been transformed. We have been saved and redeemed by the living God. We have been made new. And so Paul is talking, and the passage we're going to look at is what is our language supposed to be about? Because people should be able to tell there's a difference in us from our language because we've been made new. Because the way the rest of the world lives, and we know it to be true, so much truer than maybe when I taught on this passage three years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. The tongue is a beast, and it's a horrible thing. And now we have forms everywhere that the tongue can just let itself loose. And it is destroying people at an ever-rapid pace. And the Christian tongue might be one of the most deadly of all. The Christian tongue might be one of the most deadly. When you talk to people, we oftentimes don't know that there's a difference because we oftentimes don't talk any different. We're not careful with our words. We're not kind with them often enough. We're not loving often enough. And Paul spends his time in this part of the passage. He'll talk about the tongue again later, but he spends his time telling us what the tongue of a new believer, what the tongue of a new man or woman, what the tongue of a brother or sister, a son or daughter of God, 
should be because we know it's packed with evil. So let's take a look in Ephesians 4.29. The new you has a new language. We're part of a new tribe. Whether it was Russia that I showed up to in the different providences, or whether it was Ukraine, or when I showed up to Ecuador, or went to different places in Guatemala or the Dominican Republic, one thing was always certain. I didn't know what they were saying. I only spoke English. And for that matter, I only spoke Californian. And so I'm in these places, and I have no idea what in the world people are saying. They're speaking Russian or Ukrainian, or, or, or we're in Guatemala, and, and half, you could be in a household, and somebody's speaking Spanish, and somebody's speaking Kachikan, and somebody's speaking some hybrid of them both. <coughs> Excuse me. Every tribe has their own language. Every people has their own language, and they can be identified by their language. One of the most interesting things happened when I was in Ukraine. I was translated four different times. Because in this teaching I was doing, in this training up of youth pastors I was doing, I started in Russian because a big part of the population spoke Russian. But then there was another part of the population over there that spoke Ukrainian, and then Albanian, and then there was another one. And literally, I was speaking, and we didn't have headphones or anything. And the interpreters were going, Brush. I spoke. Brush. I was like, wow, that's crazy. You thought I spoke long in here. Can you imagine that one? Try four, five, six hours. No, it wasn't that long. Seemed like it, though. So, because everybody had to communicate in their own tongue. And they had all sorts of, of history that came along with it. They had all sorts of, of culture that came along with it. And we do, too, by the way. The follower of Christ should have a different language, have a different tongue. And Paul puts it like this. Do not let any unwholesome talk Come out of your mouths. We're going to spend a little bit more time on unwholesome in chapter 5. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now here's the talk that is supposed to be. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. So the first thing we can say about what is unwholesome talk, it's anything that's not beneficial to someone. It's anything that doesn't build them up. It's anything that doesn't benefit those who listen around them. It's anything that's not grace-filled or merciful. It's anything that isn't helping them to seek God more. It's anything that's not helping them to live a more righteous and full life. It's, listen, it can be difficult words. It can be hard conversations. It doesn't mean we never confront sin. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means it builds people up according to their needs. What is it that they need, and we're going to build them up according to that? This idea of a new language that's spoken in a new way. Maybe it came, it, it, it might have been seen in kind of full picture, if you will, on the night that Jesus was betrayed and beaten and then ultimately crucified. So as he was taken captive, you remember the story, most of you do? As he was taken captive, his disciples scattered, all of them. Yeah, with their words, they promised that they would all be there for him. With the words, they promised they would never leave his side. With their words, they promised that if they come for you, Jesus, I'll be there. Yet they all scattered. They all scattered. 
there was one John who followed along. There'd be one John who sat at the foot of the cross, but all the rest scattered. But Peter followed at a distance. Remember that story? Peter followed at a distance, and he, 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 he ended up in a courtyard. Remember that? And it took a, a servant girl to come over, and he goes, hey, you, you sound like one of those Galileans that follow Jesus. You sound like one of those Jesus followers. I'm not. No, no, no. She brought over some other people. Doesn't he sound like one of those Galileans, one of those Jesus followers? Because there's a way that you sound. Yes, from the territory that you are, but also the way you talk. What comes out of your mouth? No, 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 that's not me. Nope, it's not me. You got it wrong. They, they accuse him again. And he says, no, it's not me. And then he does what? Do you remember? Then he curses. Bleepity, bleepity, bloppity, boo. And he just lays it all out there and he throws it right in their face. And he goes, now, enough. I'm not one of them. And they walk away. Oh, yeah, yeah, you sound like a fisherman. That's right, you're not one of them. And they leave him alone. All it took was for him to curse. All it took for him was to lay out the common language of the day. All it took was for him to be nasty and not building somebody else up, to lose patience. All it took was that type of language, and they let him be. And he was able to deny Jesus in peace. You see, our language declares who we are. It declares. Who are we aligning ourselves with? With our language and the way that we speak. The words that we choose. And why do we choose them? Do we give it enough thought? Let's take a look at this. The only talk that should come out of our mouths is that which is wholesome, right? And it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. The word unwholesome refers to that which is corrupt or foul. It was a word in the original language often used of rotten fruit, vegetables, or spoiled food. I had the incredible privilege of uh, walking into my son's apartment, you know, college apartment thing? Yeah, one of those. And uh, this amazing thing happened is that starting on August 1st, they start fall camp for football, and the football team takes over feeding them. So he stops feeding himself. Well, somewhere along the line, when he stopped feeding himself and the football team took over feeding him, he decided that whatever was left in his kitchen should just stay exactly where it's at, and whatever was left in his refrigerator shouldn't be moved at all, and we are now heading into mid-September, and then if anything happened to blow up in his refrigerator, it should just stay blowing up, and that somehow, some way, uh, it would all, like, fix itself, and so I happened to walk into his kitchen, I went, what is that smell? He goes, I've been trying to figure it out, too. And I'm like, have you, son? Try to figure that out. All right, how's, how's that process going? And I go, oh. and you open the refrigerator. I'm like, the smell is leaking from the closed refrigerator, son. Oh, yeah, there's probably a lot of stuff in there that isn't good. I'm like, you think? All right. So we start digging it out. Needless to say, Tupperware lost a lot of product that day. Because we just threw and threw and threw away. And then we cleaned and we cleaned. You all know that rotten fruit and rotten food is the smelliest thing there was. And even though I know I can't literally be contaminated by rotten vegetables, I know that intellectually. I would not touch it. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, man. There's like, there's 14 different colors growing on this thing. 
and hair that belongs on a human head. I'm like, come on, man. He's like, yeah, that may have been there longer than a month. You think? That's the word that is used to describe our unwholesome talk. It's rotten. It causes somebody to feel rotten. It's a putrid smell to their soul and to their heart. It makes them feel putrid about themselves or those that listen. It's unwholesome. Unwholesome talks are words, uh, words or language, which the definition or the intention speaks something outrageous, hurtful. Words that cause someone to think about ungodliness or unrighteousness or cause them to feel unworthy or less than the Father feels about them. Think about that for a minute. Words that cause you to think about something that's unrighteous, unholy, ungodly. There shouldn't be a word or a phrase that comes out of our mouth, follower of Christ, that will cause somebody else to think about something unholy or unrighteous. Now, I got it. We're not perfect. I, absolutely. Absolutely. That's no excuse for us, right? That just means we'll always be in this process of needing to do what? Capture our words. Listen to our words. Measure our words carefully. But then we find out that they need to build up. Not only will they not be unwholesome words, right? Not unwholesome, which might have to be the off-color jokes, profanity, dirty stories, vulgarity, double-minded talk, right? But they're also going to have an intention to them. They're going to build somebody up. They're going to build somebody up. Proverbs 25, 12 says, Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine, of fine gold, is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Right? So a wise word, a wise phrase, wise language, meaning words that are, are helpful to one another and building them up, helping them to become who they need to become. It's as if you're adorning them with gold. That's the way they're going to feel after it's all done. We're not talking about flattery. We're talking about what do they need? What do they need? Which is the second one. Everything we should say should not only be appropriate, meaning it builds them up, but it needs to build them up according to the need of the moment. That what we say should always be fitting for the situation so that it, can, so it contributes to everybody. You know, see if you notice a crowd around when you're talking? Very rarely do we talk to an individual where nobody else is hearing. But instead, people are hearing whether it's at a coffee shop or at a restaurant or on the metro, or wherever it happens to be, somebody else is hearing our words. We're in our family. The way we speak to our spouses. Those words are being heard. What's needed for the time? What's needed to help them? We must be sensitive to the situation and the needs of anyone whom we converse. And we must be wise in choosing our words. For even good words, unless they're used appropriately, can be destructive instead of helpful, right? So you can take good words, words that aren't rotten, and you can use them wrongly because they're not needed for that moment. Sometimes the most amazing word that's needed for the moment is to not use it at all. Sometimes it's just be quiet. I realize you have an opinion, and I do too. But our opinion isn't always needed. You're like, no way, that'll really help them because they shouldn't act like that anymore. <laughs> that'll really help them because, man, if they knew this about themselves, boy, I'll tell you what, they would change it for sure. Sometimes it's just not needed. The most helpful thing we can say is nothing at all. 
But there's other times that we have that relationship and we need to be very careful and crafty with our words and walk in and spend the time and go the distance with trying to communicate that which is helpful and building them up according to what they need in their faith. According to what they need. (laughs) I got to see this. Who knew that God would have me so many different miles away sitting at a coffee shop working on this exact message? And there I was. And all of a sudden, I heard the language of a saint. I had walked in, and I saw this woman. And she was, she was obviously, she had some difficulties taking care of herself. She had some difficulties with her, uh, with her health and her looks and some different things like that. She just had it. You could tell. And you could tell that this particular day, she worked really hard. She worked really hard to dress herself up. She worked really hard to to make herself up to go out this day. And this precious young 20-something was at the register. And you could tell that this woman had come in numerous times because she knew her by name. And for lack of a different name, we'll just call her Susie. And Susie was up there ordering. And you could hear it throughout the whole coffee shop. Susie, I love your dress today. It looks so pretty. I'm like, those are the words of a saint. Who's a saint? A follower of Jesus. Because she knew the exact word that was needed, and she built up this person, not flattery. She built up because this woman really did try to look really, really, really good today. And she goes, in your makeup, it looks so good. I love the way you put it on. And your hair... You look so beautiful today, Susie. What can I get for you? And then I looked over just a, a few moments later, and Susie was propped up in a corner sitting at a table herself. And I was like, look at the smile on that young woman's face. I wonder how many days she spent smiling. But today she is. And then my son joined me just a few moments later, and I got to tell him, I'm like, you won't believe what just happened. You see that woman sitting over there? Looks over, she goes, yes. And I go, I just heard the most amazing thing. My life was blessed. I was one of the ones that got to listen to it. I said, son, I went to school this afternoon because I remembered how we're supposed to talk to one another. I remembered that we're supposed to have our eyes wide open, that we're supposed to have our hearts wide open. We're supposed to have our minds open to how God might use us in one another's lives, and I heard this, and I described it to him. And he looked over, and he goes, that's so cool. That woman over there said that? And I said, yeah. And I go, I go, do you think she's a follower of Christ? He goes, I don't know. And I go, well, I'm going to tell you what. Next time you come into this coffee shop, you're going to go ask her, right? I go, because she's your age, and you're going to go figure it out, and you're going to see if you can develop a relationship with that girl, because if she doesn't, she needs to know Jesus, because she's already got some Jesus talk coming. He's like, yeah, 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 sure, Dad, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. I don't know if she was a believer or not. I don't know if she was a follower of Christ or not. But those are the type of words that should come out of a follower of Christ's mouth. Those are the type of words that should cause us to stand and go, whoa. Those were words that were uplifting, upbuilding. Those were words that built somebody up according to their needs. Those are words that set them afire for good. Not for evil, not for bad. By your language, do people know who you are? 
by your language do people know who you are. Now, Paul didn't give us a list. He'll actually talk about some other words and other phrases that should be off limits. He didn't give us a list of, of use these words or not these words. Like, these are Christian words, and these are non-Christian words. He didn't give us a list like that. He didn't go, oh, by the way, and if you really want to cuss and be vulgar, well, then we've kind of created these Christian sort of cuss words that you can use because everybody knows you can't just use these, this profanity, so we've created these, these words that they're just sort of cuss words, but they're not really cuss words. So, I mean, you can use these. He didn't do anything like that at all. Look, our words change rapidly. Remember, who remembers this? When you would say something, oh, that's bad. Anybody remember that? that okay, for, for those of you that don't, we used to, like, when I was a kid, that used to mean good. I don't even know who made that up. That's, that's, that's just dumb. Like, who made that up, right? But, but now, bad means bad. Right? So that's good. Keep it there, right? But we had this word, too, when I was in school. Like, if you said something's tight, that's tight. It meant, like, that was bad. Like, it was no, like, you're tight, you're stingy. But now if you say something's tight, you're like, hey, that's good. Man, that's really good. I'm like, well, if it's tight, how's it good? Because tight, I don't like wearing restrictive stuff. It makes me feel bad. Like, well, that's great. I don't know. Right? Words, they change constantly. I could, I, I could list a, a bunch of words that now are absolutely acceptable anywhere you are, except for with me, because I grew up with those words being bad. Like, it didn't matter. I got my mouth washed out. And I'm like, so now I can't say them, even though other people say them. I'm like, man, words just change all the time not going to be about the word. It's going to be about our intention, our motive. Why are we saying it? What are we doing? Are we just trying to fit in with the rest of the world? Are we just trying to be the same as everybody else? You know, and some of you are going to say, listen, listen, don't get too crazy with this because if you start talking about individual words, you start talking about things like that, you don't know where I live. You don't know what I have to do. I have a friend of mine who's uh, retiring. We just found out. I just found out last week he's retiring from the police department after 20 plus years. And we heard all the time, we used to have conversations about it. He said, Tim, being a cop is one of the most vile things you could ever imagine to do. He goes, it is just a brutal place. The things we see, what we encounter, the environment we work in. And he said, and then just cops with one another. It's just a, just a tough place. And I never heard this man speak vulgarity. But I talked to other cops, other people who said, you don't understand, man. You roll up to something, there's a situation unfolding, it's a domestic violence, things are going crazy. you got to get out there, and you're going to throw some of the most shocking words out that you can ever imagine, because you got to get control of the situation, and everybody's going to know who's in charge. It's like, ooh, you're right, I don't understand. Man, I don't understand. And then I've talked to all sorts of military guys who are like, hey, well, when you're in battle, man, stuff just comes out, and you got you can't have time to think about your words, and you can't do those things, and everybody's got to know what's going on, and you're... You're in battle. And I'm like, I don't understand. You're right. No, I don't know. That's not my life. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. And then I've, I've, I've talked to parents who are like, hey, look, the kid pushed my buttons for a week straight. All week long, they're pushing my buttons and pushing my buttons. At some point, they needed a little bit of a shock and maybe a little bit of an awe to wake up and realize that I am mom or I am dad and I'm in charge. I'm like, oh, jeez. You're right. I don't understand. We'll never walk in one another's shoes, which is why Paul didn't give us a list of words to use or not to use. But why are we using the words we're using? Because what we do have is we have the testimony of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who shared the words of Jesus Christ, who was a man who always kept control of his tongue. Found himself in situations where he was being beaten. Found himself in situations where he was threatened to be murdered. Found himself in situations where he was being harassed. Found himself in all sorts of different situations. And yet he kept control of his tongue. 
And I do talk to soldiers and officers, police officers and firefighters who have kept control of their tongue because they wanted to be different. They wanted to stand out. They wanted to represent their father. All I'm asking is that you, you ask the question, what is the unwholesome talk come out of my mouth producing as opposed to what will the wholesome talk that builds somebody up according to their needs, what will that produce? I don't get to weigh your words, and you don't get to weigh mine, with the exception, do they build somebody up or do they tear somebody down? With that exception. But we do have another way to qualify this. Paul says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That our words are not to grieve God. God can be grieved. We're his children. You remember when your kids did those things or spoke that way that you didn't want them to? Because you knew it wasn't beneficial for them or for the people who listened to them. The words that flew out of your mouth that you said, look, you can never take words back, son or daughter. Please be careful with them. Or the time you stood with soap <laughs> trying to scrub those words out, <laughs> it didn't work. There should be a difference in the way we talk be a different way we communicate, and that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's think about this for a minute. We've been sealed the day of redemption. We've been sealed. What that means is the Holy Spirit is with us always. The Holy Spirit of truth, which means there's no lies that come out of our mouth. The Holy Spirit of love, which means there's only language of love that come out of our mouth. I'm not talking about that romantic, hallmark movie love, right? I'm talking about love that impacts and changes lives and teaches truth. And cares about building one another up. One that is gracious and merciful. That's who our Holy Spirit is. One that's forgiving and just. That's who our Holy Spirit is. Are our words forgiving and merciful and just? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by the way we talk, communicate, or live. The Holy Spirit is with you every day. Are we living our lives like the Holy Spirit is with us every day? Every circle we're at, the Holy Spirit is with us. God, the living God, is with us. Is he pleased with the way that we communicate? Is he pleased with the way that we're offering grace? Is he pleased with the words we're using in one another's lives? Is he pleased? Does it lift one another up? Is he pleased with it? That's your question for your words. That's your question for your words. That's my question for my words. Let no unwholesome talk come out of our mouth. Only use words that will build one another up according to their needs. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by the way we talk. We're going to take a break in Ephesians for four weeks. We're going to head into a series on the Beatitudes. We're going to call it Happy. We're going to talk about where true happiness lies. Who's your one? Who will you bring? Remember, next week, we won't meet in here at 8.30. We're only at 10 o'clock next week. And we're heading out for a great time with food trucks, things for kids, and all that kind of stuff. But the most important thing of what we'll do is we'll declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who may not know him. We're going to use words to bring life into people. So who's your one? This Wednesday, we'll be praying from 6.30 to 7.30 for the one. I hope you'll join us in the sanctuary. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you for the grace and mercy that you bestow upon us.
And thank you that you spoke words of truth into our lives, that you spoke words of life into us. Thank you that you have asked us to do the same thing to others, that our words would not destroy, but instead they would build up and they would lift up. Father, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, everybody.